What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a weekly Friday show here with Jack Hammer, our special guest today. How you doing, Jack? I'm good. How are you doing, Rohan? I'm good. Excited to talk to you here on this Friday as the NFL Draft Combine comes along. You know, it, it's getting from that dead part of the offseason to slowly picking up before the draft. You know what I mean? Because Draft Combine is next week. After that, it's two weeks to free agency. After that, mm-hmm. you get a bunch of free agency stuff. You go on a little period, and then it's the NFL draft. So a lot, a lot of different talking. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. We have, like you said, you got the the combine, free agency, draft, and then you after the draft, that's when you start to get OTAs are kind of starting to happen around that time. But you start to get right. on the field work um, after the draft, and that leads you right up until the summertime, and then you get a little break there for about a month and a half. That becomes a dead period. But uh, there'll be talk. There'll be stuff going on. Uh, all the way up until about sometime around mid-June, I think, and then things will shut down for about a month and a half. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. I, I, I definitely agree there. And kind of to kick it off, because we're, we're talking about this off-season talk, and there are a lot of different topics, but one of the ones I wanted to talk about, we've heard a couple of times in this past week, cut candidates, right? The Tennessee Titans were one. They cut three players, freeing up $29 million. Uh, I mean, we've seen a, a couple of different cuts, Derek Carr being the biggest one of any team. Do you think there are any cut candidates for the 49ers? You know, I look at their salary cap situation, and um, I don't think there's anybody that they can release to – to. And they're not in a position, I guess, like, like Tennessee or some of these other teams where they're cutting guys to free cap space. The majority of their cap is, is taken up by guys they want around. And so uh, – for them to free up cap space, it's going to be through through restructures. And uh, there are six guys who uh, they could go to and, and clear up about $60 million in cap space. So they're not going to do it through cuts. It'll be through uh, through restructures. I, I think you're probably bringing that up because of Javon Kinlaw. You know, yeah. it's a name that I've seen a lot. Foreigner fans are just up, upset with Javon Kinlaw in general because he was a 13th pick in the draft or 14th, whatever uh, the number was right there. He's a top, top draft pick, and they got him to replace uh, – Basic, you know, DeForest Buckner, who was an all-pro the following year and a guy that was always productive. And uh, you don't get that. You're not getting that with Javon Kinlaw. And so people are like, hey, let's get rid of him. But uh, it, it makes it doesn't do you any good to, to do that at this point. You you save nothing against your cap by doing that. So you keep him around. You give him one more year and uh, you see if he can improve. And if he can't, then, you know, you move off of him maybe next year or trade. But I think you run through one more season with Javon Kinlaw. I think that that's smart. And I mean, when we talk about cut candidates, right, you're looking for the players that can free up the most money. And of the players the 49ers have on their roster, I don't know if it makes sense that they that they really utilize it. Um, like, if you talk about players that free up the most money, it's players that make maybe $2 million a year, right? I think of the logical candidates, Oren Burks is probably the guy who you might see. And he, he, he only saves $1.7 million. You, you still lose a million in dead cap, and it doesn't make sense to put, probably cut him, given his contributions on special teams, and that you sign them two, for two full seasons, right? I agree with you there. And, yeah, my, my question was more so directed because of guys like Javon Kinlaw, because a lot of people have advocated for releasing Javon Kinlaw. I just don't think that that's the most logical solution. The 49ers, last year of his deal – you don't save anything if you cut him. You can only save if you trade him. Potentially, you save two point two or two point seven million or so. I don't think there though that there's going to be a trade partner for Javon Kinlaw. And on top of that, 
the only way that I see the 49ers cutting him is if he can't be one of the best 10 offense, 10 defensive linemen on the team. If you can't crack the top 10, I don't mind it because then it's just like, um, it, I don't think that there's a value in keeping him. If there's a guy you're going to make pay a million to that you might um, keep on the roster, but him not being one of the top 10 defensive linemen on the team, top 10, I think that that's going to be, I don't think that that's going to be the situation. I don't know if he starts next year. I, I don't know if I'd bet that he would. Um, I, I think that there are a couple of intriguing candidates uh, to do so, but regardless, I don't think that he gets cut. I, I, it doesn't save the 49ers money. And the only time that I could envision him getting cut is in August. If he doesn't make the team on training camp. Yeah. I think you, I think you put it right there. You know, if he, if he's one of the top 10, he's going to make the roster. There's, they're not going to have 10 guys better than Javon Kinlaw on this roster. It's just not going to happen. He's going to be there. Um, whether he starts or not, and that's a different story, but he's going to be on the roster and he can help them out, whether he's a spot player or, or starter. We'll see what he becomes and what he can do. You know, uh, we talk a lot about guys with, with um, potential. You know, there, was a, there was a reason why the 49ers took him where they took him because they thought he had the potential to be the player. So right. if we're going to give players the benefit of the doubt based on potential, let's do it with Javon Kinlaw too. No, you're right. And I mean, with the way the 49ers have their contracts kind of structured, you have a lot of big pay, big paying contracts and then a lot mm-hmm. of really cheap contracts. That's kind of how it is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Trent Williams, Art Armstead, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Traverius Ward now, McCaffrey even on his current deal, uh, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel. All of those guys are getting top-of-the-line money. Kyle Juszczyk even at his position, top-of-the-line money. Then when you talk about the the second level of players, it's players on their rookie contracts or players not making much money. The only guy who might be the outlier is uh, Drake Greenlaw. I mean, he, he he's a good player. He makes $9 million. He's a good player. Um, so it, it is tough, right, to say because you don't have aging players really on this team. The, the reason the 49ers did the things that they did last offseason is to get younger, get, get more team control under players and to get younger. You don't have these veterans that are – getting paid too much money and the need to be cut. No, the 49ers have a roster where they have two clear kind of groups, a clear group where the uh, top of the line money and a clear group where it's uh, whatever you want to call it, just players making cheaper money. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, the lower, the lower price deals. And you, you know, you look at the, the contracts, like you said, that are out there and 49ers do a really good job of creating um, when they give these big deals to, to these players, they give themselves within with their structuring, the way they put them together, they they tend to give themselves the ability to come back and and do restructures and those kind of things. So you know, you talk like Debo Samuel, he got you know near top of the wide receiver market money, uh, but he's only going to count eight point six million dollars against the cap this year. Dre Greenlaw, big deal last year, he's only going to be five point five. You know, you give these guys time, they can restructure their contracts. You look at like a guy like Traverius Ward. $16.4 million cap hit this year, but only 2.4 in uh, in bonus money. There's there's $11 million there between his uh, base salary and his and his bonus. There's there's money to be be worked with here. So, you know, if the 49ers want to get a guy or they want to bring somebody back, they have mechanisms in place uh, to make that happen. No, I, I do agree. I do agree. And I think that, you know, right now, 49ers, they should probably feel pretty comfortable. They do likely need to utilize some of those mechanisms to free up some cap space just don't think cutting is likely the way that they do so but moving forward 
um, kind of staying in a way on personnel. Franchise tag. The 49ers, they haven't been a team that utilizes the franchise tag much. I believe the last time they did so was on a kicker. Robbie Gould in the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they franchise tagged him, paid him about $5 million that year before extending him. Gould now is a free agent at age 41, I believe. And <clears throat> let's let's be honest. Robbie Gould is not a guy who's going to kick you 55-yard field goals. No, he's a guy who operates within the 50-yard marker but is pretty, pretty functional. He is the best postseason kicker in history. He's made, I think it's 28 or 29 field goals in a row in the postseason. He's 29 for 29. So he can he can get it to you when, when you need it, and he can kick well within 50 yards. But mm-hmm. do you think that the franchise tag should be used this offseason on a player? And if so, should it be used on Gould? Yeah, just, you know, looking at the looking at the numbers there for franchise tags and so on. There's there's nobody on the front of his roster as far as the guys that are coming up where you're going to want to franchise tag them. Um, and that includes a guy like Mike McGlinchey. So no, I, I don't think so. I think the franchise tag is like a you know basically if you're if you're stuck and you're not able to to negotiate with a player or they're just basically not giving you an option. I think that's why they had to use the, the franchise tag on gold when they on gold when they did. Um, if there's a player that would get it again this year, it would be that's who it would be on. Uh, the numbers aren't that expensive. There, five what is it? Five point four million, I believe it is for the kicker uh, franchise tag. So, you know, if they're going to utilize it, it's going to be on Robbie Gold, nobody else. I think it's interesting, right? You talk about a point that I, I like the point that you brought up with Mike McGlinchey, how they're not going to. The way the 49ers operate and the way most NFL teams operate and why the franchise tag isn't necessarily the most valuable thing is because when you have extensions, teams like to utilize that first year as a low cap hit. They, they don't want to have a cap hit of what the franchise tag would be. The franchise tag is going to be the average annual value or something like that of the deal. So if McGlinchey is going to get paid $14 million on the franchise tag, he might get maybe a four-year $60 million deal. But he's not making $15 million in year one on a cap hit. Instead, he's making maybe $5 million in year one. The 49ers, mm-hmm. they like to do that. They like to keep the first uh, the couple, first few years low, not pay too much uh, upfront money. But instead, backload the contracts because the NFL continues to rise in terms of its salary cap. And if you, do the fr- if you utilize the franchise tag, it unfortunately doesn't allow you to do so. This year, I don't believe they're going to use it. Like you said, Robbie Gould is likely the likeliest candidate for that to happen. But to pay $5 million, especially when you've had a philosophy recently of trying to get younger, to pay $5 more million for a kicker in, a, in an offseason where you likely can draft a kicker, um, I think it's it, – I don't know if it's the best resources. It's a, it's a tough case because Gould is really good at what he does. He's limited, but he's very good at what he does. And so it is a tough case for sure. I just think the price might be too steep. And also, you don't know – if Gould wants to stay here in San Francisco or if he wants to go back near where his family has been in Chicago. Well, right. That's what, and that's why you would use the franchise tag though, right. Is to force him not to be able to go out to Chicago and uh, with gold, you're right. I mean, he's, you know, he's limited to under 50 he can get over, he can maybe hit 50 if there's a good win behind him or what have you. But uh, for the most part, he's under 50, uh, but he's also money in the playoffs. So if you're expecting to make the playoff run, if you're expecting to to be a team that's going to be contending for getting to the Super Bowl, uh, I think you go in that direction and you you take the risk there to, to bring him in. I'd rather have Robbie Gold kicking for me in uh, 2023 than somebody from from the draft. We've seen there, there's a lot of examples of kickers who were expected to be really good in the pros 
who were drafted and flamed out. Um, so go with a guy, who, especially at a position like that, who you know can make can get the job done um, over somebody who you hope. It's, we're not talking about a right tackle again, you know, kind of a player. We're talking about a guy who scores points for you, and it's important to make sure those guys are, are making the plays when called upon. No, I, I do agree. I do agree. But transitioning a little bit here, mm-hmm. we've talked about cut candidates. We've talked about the franchise tag. I want to bring up another key personnel decision. And I think it's one where we've talked about briefly before, but I want to get your opinion. Drafting a quarterback. 49ers, mm-hmm. pretty, uh, they, they, they've drafted one in the past few years. Worked mm-hmm. out pretty well last year with Brock Purdy. What's your take on this situation? I think that they have to draft it. I mean, they're, you know, the injury to, to Brock Purdy and the, you know, we don't know what's going to happen there. So they're stuck in a way. I mean, that, you know, think of it this way for right now. Right at this moment, the 49ers do not have an active quarterback that is signed for 2023 that is healthy. Lance is injured still. He's not cleared yet. Purdy, we don't know when he's going to be cleared. They're going into the offseason program that's going to start up, you know, the, or I think it's in April. The on-field work, though, starts around May after the draft. So you get into it. They're going to have to bring in a guy. They're going to have to bring in guys in a couple of different ways. They're going to have, I think they have to bring in at least one veteran quarterback. And I'm with you. I would go I'd go ahead and draft a quarterback. You know, with the way the salary cap is right now, I think you draft a quarterback every year. Because unless you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, why would you spend $40 million on Daniel Jones to be your, your quarterback? You know, Patrick Mahomes is, is somebody you pay the money for. Why would you give a middle of the road quarterback that kind of money? That's where your that's where your franchise gets screwed up, and so you keep bringing these guys in and let them let them fight for it. You know, using a, a mid to late round draft pick on a quarterback who's been around the college game for four years. We saw how that worked out for the 49ers last year. It makes a lot of sense. I think it's a very intriguing topic because you bring up really good points. The only other thing I'll say is. The 49ers have two quarterbacks they already know that they're going to uh, they're going to use on their 53-man roster. The max teams normally carry is three quarterbacks. And I think that when you talk about the quarterbacks, if you're going to add one in free agency, and I think that that's going to be the most telling move, who they add. But if they add a very serviceable backup in free agency for three, four million dollars, maybe a Taylor Heineke, then that quarterback is likely going to be the third quarterback quarterback on the active roster whereas whoever you draft potentially gets cut and puts on the practice squad i'm of the idea to draft a quarterback i think it's smart to draft quarterbacks especially the one like for the exact reasons you just said experienced guys that you know can operate within the game that you can enhance especially in this system shanahan showed that he could do it with his staff with brock purdy this past year and i don't know if there's going to be a quarterback in the seventh round with the talent that Brock Purdy had last year, because I thought he should have been drafted earlier. It was just a deep class. But Mm -hmm. in general, I think it's smart too. The only thing is I would do it. If you understand that you're going to, you're you're going to likely cut that quarterback and end up being on the, uh, him being on the practice squad. That's why I wouldn't spend a mid round pick on a quarterback. I know a lot of people are talking about Jake Hayner uh, from Fresno state. And I think he's a good quarterback. He might even be quarterback five in this class behind the top four. I just don't think that if you cut him, that another team won't claim him. And that's why I don't know how high um, it would be. Now, if the 49ers sign a maybe a Nate Sutfeld type of quarterback in free agency, 
I'm all for it because you understand that you likely can cut him and get away with the losses if there are any in terms of guaranteed money, and you could roll with your three quarterbacks. And a point that I believe you brought up last week, 49ers have a veteran, Ryan Greasy. He's a guy who's played the position. He's a veteran in the room. And so I think that that's really valuable and don't necessarily need a 30-year-old quarterback or a 28-year-old quarterback in the room. And that's where you can go and go ahead and draft a guy. Uh, I think that you could definitely do it. It's just, what is their outlook? Do they want the guy who has NFL experience? And do they value that NFL experience in which they might sign a guy like Taylor Heineke and spend a little more money? Or are they willing to go cheap, trust that they have their two guys, and then end up sign, uh, drafting a rookie quarterback who could potentially make the roster as number three? Yeah, well, you know, you look at we can we can talk about this in a different bunch of different ways. We can talk about the quarterbacks. So it's like a guy like Jake Hayner in the fifth round. If he's available for the Flyers in the fifth round, go get him. If he's not available, go after Max Duggan, who is from TCU, who was a four-year player there, a uh, lot of throws in college, uh, kind of has a similar background to to Purdy in terms of uh, the length of time that he's been playing. Maybe not as many throws, but it's still a pretty good amount of them. There's there's a number of guys there that we can take a look at there. I do think they need to bring a veteran in. Now, the veteran they, that they do sign isn't going to be – I think that's where people need to kind of reel it back because right. I see a lot of these coming out. I know I put one out earlier today, and, and it had uh, – it the, the only guy who was really a, somebody that would cost some money, I think, was Baker Mayfield. Now, I also mm-hmm. made sure that I clarified at the end of that with, May, with Mayfield that's – there's a lot of things that can that play into that because there's also you got to take into account the relationship with Nick Bosa and stuff like that. So you might not go in that direction, but the other quarterbacks on that list were all uh, $3 million or less. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at a veteran, you're looking at a guy who could step in and be a starter, but you're not, you're not going to go after one of those guys. That's a starter. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I do agree. And I think that that's a good point. Talking about the veterans. See a comment here when Matt Ryan gets cut, get him. Would he be one of the ones that you consider? I don't, I didn't see your list. I don't know exactly who you who you had in mind. Would he be though one of the guys you'd consider? The the reason that you'd be interested, I I didn't have Matt Ryan there. I think the reason that you you might want to bring him in is because of the experience that he has with Kyle Shanahan, and you know he can step in and knows the offense already. It's there's no learning curve for him. Uh, but I didn't include him. I the, the guys that I had other than I had Mayfield, and then I also had. Um, Jacoby Brissett uh, was on that list. You know, the other guys that I picked other than that were guys who, uh, for the most part, do a pretty good job of holding on to the ball. So Jacoby Brissett, he's, you know, about one and a half, I think it was 1.5% interception rate. Um, and so that's kind of what the, we saw that we saw it play out with the Frontiers this year, right? When Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Brock Purdy were playing and they weren't turning the ball over, this team was, that's when they, this team was at their best. So you bring in a guy like Jacoby Brissett, he's, he's been around the league for a while. Um, uh, He's had some success, some success, some struggles, but he's never really been in a position like what he'd be in here. I think he'd be okay. Andy Dalton is somebody the foreigners have already shown uh, in the past to be uh, interested in. They were looking at getting him in 2021, uh, but he chose to go to Chicago because Jimmy Garoppolo was still on the roster. And, you know, with Lance coming in, I don't think he was given, was told he was going to be the starter. I think he was given the impression by Chicago that he was going to be number one. He was going to be the starter. Uh, it only lasted two weeks, but I think, you know, that's what they told him. But the other two are, are guys who are not uh, not as well known. Jarrett Stidham, four-year fans know because the Raiders, almost, he almost beat the Raiders. Uh, I liked his athleticism. I liked his ability to throw the ball. He made some really nice throws against the four-year Even the following week against the Chiefs, there was a couple. I was at that game, the game against the Chiefs, and it was, there were some really nice throws there too. Some struggles as well, but... Uh, 
you know, that's kind of to be expected. And then um, the other one, uh, I don't know if I can't, I'm John. Uh, it's the guy that was the quarterback for the Rams. John Wolford. John yeah. Wolford. Thank you. I keep wanting to use an S to start a second, his last name. That's why I couldn't remember it. So yeah, John Wolford. That's a name that makes sense to me. Um, again, Wolford doesn't come in. Wolford is like, um, if they bring in Wolford, think of him as Nate, like a Nate Sudfeld kind of a signing, a guy who's been around the league who can kind of execute the offense a little bit, but you don't really expect him to, he's not going to compete with anybody in terms of, of pushing them at all. He's, he's just a guy who uh, you can sign on a low end deal um, who should be able to operate the offense better than, you know, what we saw in the NFC championship game if called upon. I think that those are some really cool options uh, that you bring up. The guys I know I brought up a couple of weeks ago, um, I believe I, I put Taylor Heineke in there, Brissett I put in there, and a couple of those names. Like you said, though, you do have to be realistic about the players that you do sign. And for a guy like Brissett, the caveat is he's going to be expensive. He's going to probably cost around at least $8 million per year. And I think the 49ers understand that they are, uh, in a way, a little limited in terms of the salary cap. So. I think that that's a situation that you have to uh, you have to talk about. A guy like Heineke, I like because I think he has the aggressiveness to throw downfield, probably a little more than you'd want. But I mean, that's something Kyle Shanahan covets, and he fits what you want in a quarterback in terms of the leadership. And so I think that he could be a valuable asset. But I, I do think that they need to sign a, a a veteran quarterback to to what degree and who that is. That'd be interesting. I personally, I'd shy away from that, Ryan. I think that while the mm-hmm. familiarity in the scheme is important and certainly helpful, I just don't know that I'd go with a guy who I don't believe has that much talent right now. I don't, I don't, Matt Ryan doesn't necessarily fit in terms of the mobility. Both Brock Purdy and Trey Lance have better mobility than him and have the ability to, to, to move around the pocket and the arm strength right now for Matt Ryan. Um, I'm not sure it's necessarily there. I mean, we've seen him, unfortunately fall off a little bit during his time in Indianapolis this past year. I don't know how talented right now he is. Yeah. I, I think you just really hit on it. That's what, that's why I'm not, I'm just not excited about, no, there's nothing about Matt Ryan that gets me excited when it comes to having him play quarterback for the 49ers. He's he, he, all the reasons why. Um, so if, if that's the only name that's out there, if, if he's the last man standing, he's the only option, then I guess so. But uh, other than that, there's got to be something else that you can bring in that's going to help you out more right exactly uh we have an interesting question here i don't know if you've watched enough but um i do want to ask you about him and the 49ers reiki here asked where do you think hendon hooker will go in the draft for those of you don't know hendon hooker tennessee quarterback tore his acl in november was looking like one of the better quarterbacks in the class potentially behind the top four right there right now acl uh what do you think about drafting him and his talent especially because he might fall a little more than you'd expect in this draft. You know, I'm not good about this because I haven't really, I don't pay I'm not paying attention to guys that the 49ers aren't going to be involved with. Um, I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. So I, I haven't really dug into, you know, given a, I can't give a good um, idea on this. I, I know that there's a lot of people that are really high on hooker and, uh, you know, he's not going to be with the Frenner, so unfortunately, I'm sorry. I can't give you a whole lot of to it. I have to lean on Rohan there to pick me up. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about Hennon Hooker, he's a talented quarterback. There are a couple of issues, though. He, he like The talent itself will likely uh, should likely land him in the mid-rounds, but 
you talk about, first of all, his age. He's 25 years old already, which does scare NFL teams, if we're being honest. And then the number two is the injury. For me, I want a quarterback that can play this offseason. The 49ers, they have enough injured quarterbacks. Brock Purdy is not going to play for potentially the entire offseason. Maybe not even in the preseason. We don't know, depending on how his timeline will go. Trey Lance will play, but he, he, he will be cleared by the time OTAs come. But you have one quarterback healthy on your roster right now. You need at least at least two more bodies um, in the offseason that can play. And so, to me, Hendon Hooker is a guy who will likely not be ready until at least week one of the regular season. While the talent is there, I don't know how valuable it is for the 49ers in the short term to draft a quarterback and then have to sign two more guys, understanding that Hooker will not play. He won't be ready uh, come week one. So you have to get two more bodies in there. And then after that, if you want to keep Hooker on the 53-man roster, you're going to cut the two guys that you brought in and bring in a guy who hasn't had any experience, any practice reps at all in your system to be your third stringer. So to me, I think that the the logic behind it's a little hazy. I like the player. I just don't know if the fit is there because the 49ers, if they're going to want to draft a guy, I think they'd prefer he gets reps the entire offseason. And because they want bodies, you're essentially using a 90-man roster spot on a quarterback that you know is not going to play. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think when you when you look at it, and you talk about it that way, not just with Hen and Hooker, but just the quarterback position in general, with where the 49ers are right now, it's it might be a little tough for them to be to bring to get these guys in. You know, even the names that I mentioned, those especially the the veteran of those guys, it might be tough because you're looking at you're, you know as a, somebody think about this as a quarterback who's coming in, you know that they're highly invested in Trey Lance in terms of of draft capital, those types of things. All signs point to them really you know still being bought in on, on what Lance can do. They really also like Brock Purdy. Purdy's going to be on this roster at some point, maybe not week one, but who knows at this point, we don't know, but he's going to be there at some point. So do you want to invest yourself in coming in here for, to be the number three guy, you know, for an opportunity to be number three, you might, you might have a chance to be the backup start a couple of games, but as far as, you know, long-term for the season, be number three, that's, I think where, when you look at the potential exactly. guys for them to sign, it's, it gets really tricky and they're in a tight spot. I said that a couple of days ago, uh, people, you know, pushed back on that thinking that it was silly, but it, it really is the case. It's, you know, and I'm talking about folks over here on the YouTube responses that I had after I, I mentioned it, because it is uh, tough in terms of you, you, why would you, why would, if you're a player, why would you give yourself up for a team that, you don't play have a, really you, just yeah exactly especially if you're somebody that can play again like a Jacob Jacoby Brissett or any of those names that we talked about yeah I mean you, you're totally right in this and that's also part of the reason that influenced my opinion to Taylor Heineke because he's the only quarterback that on record has said I'm okay with being a backup quarterback I understand my role I'm okay with being a backup quarterback because I understand it's an easier job. It's one of the easier jobs in the NFL because you're essentially getting paid two, three million dollars at least to not play. And that's how it is. And so it, it is tough because everybody in the NFL wants a chance to play. They want to compete. They want to earn money and compete so that they can earn more money later on. But when it comes to the 49ers, you're going to have to be relegated to the fact that, guess what? You're not going to play, likely. You, you, they've got two young guys that they really like 
And regardless of how the offseason goes, they're going to resort to those two young guys. I mean, that's that's just how it is. Uh, they they believe they have two starting quarterbacks. And so when you when you factor everything in together with the money that they're likely willing to shell out, understanding they have two guys they're comfortable with, and other players might not want to come here because of that issue, then it narrows down the pool to some of the different options that you have. Like we, maybe it is a guy like Nate Sudfeld or Nick Mullins or whoever it is, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it's one of those guys. But yeah, that's definitely something and a very, very underrated part of this entire equation. Yeah, for sure. But moving forward, we talked about the quarterbacks. I want to talk about this next draft topic because it's it's the headline. It's the most important one. Right tackle. We talked about Mike McCoy last week. We talked about free agency. Agree that it likely ends up being a departure for Mike McGlinchey. Do you think that the 49ers should trade up for a right tackle in this draft uh, in, in 2023? I think that if there's a player that the 49ers like um, that's in late round one, round two, wherever it is, where they can trade up with some, use some of their draft capital because they have a number of, of picks to trade up for, whether it is a right tackle or any position, safety, maybe they maybe they want to get a free safety, maybe they want a DB. Those are some other spots that they, they have needs. Maybe they're going to go after a defensive tackle. Do it. You, you have plenty of draft capital. Instead of, instead of bringing in 10 guys who may or may not make your team, go out there and get seven that you feel are, are – are really going to be able to to stick with your roster and and you know be built upon because they they have a very strong core of players and they have a, a number of these guys that they drafted last year they always kind of seem to be drafting for future years but if you have if you can you know make a trade up to, to round three or round two excuse me use those third round picks and get up into somewhere around two for one of those top level right tackles by all means go ahead and do it I agree with you here. And I mean, when you talk about the right tackle position, it's an important position for sure, right? And I mean, for the 49ers, it's going to be important because at the moment, it looks like Colton McKivitz is going to be a guy, right? It looks like the 49ers are going to roll into the offseason, understand Colton McKivitz is a starter. And so to me, I think that when you talk about that, uh, when, when, you, when you highlight that fact, right, you want competition. The 49ers love competition. And I think it's important to also understand what you might have for the future because the only way to really see if Colton McKibben could potentially even be the guy for the future is comp- having him compete with a with an option that you believe can also compete at that position. Fortunately, the reality is Jalen Moore isn't that guy. He's likely a better guard. I mean, in my opinion, he's a better guard. That's what I thought he could come into the NFL as. He hasn't looked in tackle. And uh, to me, I think that they need option if Mike McGlinchey's going to return you I think you have to go and get your guy Matthew Bergeron uh maybe a couple of guys uh, that, that that are certainly there certainly capable but understanding the need for tackle could early could go earlier in the draft in the second round maybe even the early third round and I think with the draft capital the 49ers have and their current situation with their roster Really comfortable that they have at certain positions and should be able to have a free agency. Important for them, understanding you have the capital this year. Yeah, for sure. There, there's definitely some, um, you know, they have names. And, you know, one of the things that's also interesting with this drafts capital question and the depth that they have and those kind of things is 
you know, they, they have a lot of depth already existing on their roster. So it's going to be interesting to see how much this, how much they believe in the, in the depth that they have now, you know, you know, Brunskill and Colton McKivitz are free agents um, as far as, you know, along with Mike McGlinchey. So those are really all your right tackle candidates. So, you know, what are they going to do there? Do you bring back uh, McKivitz and, and Brunskill and that they kind of compete for that right tackle spot? And the, the loser is, you know, a swing guy or, you know, how do you, how are you going to go about that? And even at the center spot, it's the same thing there. Do you bring back uh, Jake Brendel or do you go with, with uh, Ning Zakel? Or is it, you know, do you bring back Daniel Brunskill to be your center? I mean, there's, there's, there's these names of the guys that are on the roster, some of these free agents that have to come back and so on. Uh, it really creates some for some interesting discussions. The one thing it's, that's good about it is they don't really have a, a definite where you can look at the roster and say, well, here because they don't have a guy to play it other than correct, other than maybe free safety. I, I agree. And I mean, that, that goes to the point of when you talk about depth. 49ers, the one thing they've done well with this roster is figured out how to insulate depth, understand that they have issues, and they're going to need to highlight those issues when you talk about a position like left a left guard, right? They drafted Aaron Banks, understanding Lakin Tomlinson was going to leave in free agency with a bigger contract should he perform at the level he was performing at. You talk about center. They had Jake Brendel step in for after serving as the backup for the last two seasons once Alex Mack retired. And, and, and I mean, you could talk about different different positions, right? I mean, at linebacker right now, the 49ers are going to lose Aziz Alshire, and they're likely insulated with a couple of guys who could compete. Marcelino McCrary Ball, a guy who I was high on since the 49ers picked him up in the undrafted free agent pool. Oren Burks was there. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, even if he returns, could be there. You've got a couple of options there for sure. And, I mean, I think that you could say that at most positions for the 49ers. So I think, yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right about that. Where you don't necessarily have a specific hole where you need every single draft pick of those to address all of those holes. You definitely have desires and wants to improve your roster, but there's not necessarily a specific hole where you're looking, yes, we need to go attack that position. Free safety, yes. Free safety, you can argue. And the, the, the benefit of the doubt I will give to the 49ers because they have done well at the free safety position. Regardless of who's played, it, it seems like at safety, they've been able to accomplish enough. I mean, Jaquasi Tart, Jimmy Ward, now Talano Hufunga, they've, and Tashawn Gibson. I mean, they've done pretty, pretty solid with regardless of the amount of capital they've invested to the position and the amount of money. And so I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, it's it, it it's gonna. That's what always makes the uh, the off season um, so interesting around the 49ers because um, we always think that we know what they're gonna do, and then usually what happens is they go do something about 180 degrees opposite of what everybody's thinking that they're gonna do. Right? They, uh, you you look back last season, and we didn't. I don't think anybody expected Charvarius Ward to be uh, a guy that was gonna be signed by the 49ers, and then you know they bring him in, and everybody got super excited about it because. You know he he had some good numbers for for uh, for Kansas City, so it makes it it makes it difficult to to pick that out. But I, you know this is a this is a roster. Just just to st- take a step back just for a second, this is a team that this is a team that is coming off of back to back trips to the NFC Championship game. Right. It's also a team that's returning sixteen of twenty two starters. So th- th- this is a team that's in a really good spot when you compare it to any other team that's in the NFL at 16 out of 22 stars returning. That's a, that's a big number. Uh, almost mm-hmm. all of those guys on offense. I think there's only two starters on offense that they're losing a few more on the defensive side. I, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but uh, you know, 
this is a, a, a really good roster. I, I hear people say they need to improve along the offensive line. Well, I guess I thought the offensive line was was actually one of the better offensive be lines in the league. You know, yeah. so it's 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 just about trying to trying to keep. I think really what they're what they're in a position where they have to do is just to try to maintain the level that they're at. I don't know if they can really improve upon Mike McGlinchey at right tackle at least this season coming up in 2023. I don't know if they can improve upon what Jake Brendel did at center, you know, next year. Uh, I doubt highly that they're going to improve upon what Tayshawn Gibson did at safety last right. year if they don't bring him back. So, you know, the the one spot I think, the biggest spot I think, if you want to look at where they can improve upon, it's the guy opposite of Nick Bosa. That's that's the one thing you look at the 49ers team and the, the biggest area for potential improvement is the pass is it in the pass rush. Nick Bosa 18 sacks, 18 and a half sacks. The rest of the team only only, you know, the team is a whole 44 or somewhere right around that number. They need they need another pass rusher. Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson. You know, what are they gonna do? Who else are they gonna bring back along that defensive front? Uh, I think. You know, we keep talking about the trenches, and I think in reality with the fires, the defensive trenches are the bigger upgrade spot potential than what you have on the on the offensive side. No, you're right. and I mean, it, a part of it goes to who the 49ers have at the defensive line, but also because you have to understand talent along the defensive line is harder, I mean, easier to come along than talent on the offensive line. It's really hard, hard to upgrade it on the offensive line. When, because offensive linemen, you you don't necessarily, if, I mean, Mike McGlinchey and Caleb Gary are going to be free agents, but when you talk about the top ones, Trent Williams has never hit the market. Guys like, I mean, I, I know he's the best one, but like top five players or top eight tenders in the offensive line rarely hit the open market. And when they do, they get overpaid for because offensive line is defensive i think it is a little easier to because of the two players in and out but like offensive linemen get subbed out uh in and out when it comes to the run of the pass and things like that so i think it is a little easier for that situation but i, I do think the point you bring up about uh the offensive line is valuable well i mean the 49ers had a good offensive line last year and more likely than on paper to 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 acquire that to where it significantly uh significantly packs the roster and i don't think that it will be I, I, at least from a bird's eye view without the moves that they make i don't necessarily think that this offensive line is going to significantly yes Hampers the floor. It looks like uh, like Rohan might have uh, scooted away there for a second. He'll we'll wait for him to, to come back. But um, I, I think what he was what what, uh, what he was getting at it was a little choppy. But I think what what. Um, what he was saying was you look at the, at this team and, and they have a better chance to, uh, to improve along the defensive front. The, the offensive side isn't going to be 
necessarily one where there's going to be a massive improvements if they change up there. I think the change, you know, I think what he's saying is you, you look at this team overall, uh, you look at the options um, along the offense to improve uh, the offensive line, McGlinchey, Brendel playing at a pretty decent level. Uh, that's, those are the two guys that you're looking at possibly losing. And, and I, while they can maybe not come back, there's other names or other guys that they can pick up and, and they've done a pretty good job overall with, uh, with creating a roster that they can win games. We've seen Kyle Shanahan win games uh, with, without guys who are really good playing right tackles. So uh, even if they have to take a little bit of a step back there to step forward, eventually it'll work out. I think that's kind of what, what Rohan was saying because it was a little choppy there. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you carrying a float while I while I return. But no, you you are right. You are right there, and I think that that that's an important uh, message to note, right? When you talk about the offensive line uh, and the right tackle position. So to summarize again, I think that 49ers, if they have their guy, which there are a couple of guys who I think that they're going to be interested in, should look to move up for that right tackle because it is an integral position and a position where you can. Not necessarily upgrade, but find a solution for to replace Mike McGlinchey in the future in this draft. I agree. I mean, if you if you can if you can find it, go ahead and get it. Trade up if you can, and and you know with it with an eye towards being better in twenty four or twenty five for sure. Yeah, going back to the quarterback talk because we got a question. I want to ask you because you're you're a guy who calls it straight. You you, you see how it is, and regardless of the opinion, you like to you're going to give your opinion. Um, so who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers in 2023? Is it Brock Purdy or Trey Lance? I know my answer. Curious to hear yours, especially after the recent news with Brock Purdy. Well, I think when you, when you factor in the recent news here, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I, we've, we've been saying all along that, that Trey Lance is going to get his shot. They're going to give him every opportunity they can to win the, win the job. Yeah. And, you know, right now with, uh, with Brock Purdy's, uh, surgery being delayed a little bit, I think that pushes it more towards uh, Trey Lance being your starter. Now, is he going to be the starter of the whole year? Uh, that's just going to depend on how well he plays. I think I agree here. And when you talk about the starting quarterback, um, to me, here's how I view it. I know everyone's coming in, including myself, with the notion that if it's Brock Purdy's jobs, I think that that's true. Brock Purdy proved himself last mm-hmm. offseason to where if he can showcase that he's healthy and continue the momentum that he had it's his job to lose however it is wrong to assume that an injury doesn't change the quarterback situation we saw it last year where everyone thought trey lance was the guy because he was the guy who entered the entered the season as the starter and then it ends up being brock purdy is the guy because of the way that he played because he played like the best quarterback um uh, last year and so to me because of that I, i i think that brock purdy is the he it's his job to lose, but I think Trey Lance is going to get the opportunity to prove that he could be the guy. And ultimately, what, what Trey Lance does this offseason is going to dictate how the 49ers quarterback situation goes. Because Brock Purdy at the moment is not going to get the chance to likely perform in the throughout the offseason, which means that Lance's performance is going to be indicative of what the 49ers will do at quarterback. And I think right now, he's got to be your starter. And like you said, Lance, like it's all about Lance. If he can play well enough, he's going to be the starter. If he can't play well enough, um, then the 49ers might experience a change. But from the way 
you know, over the past few seasons. I could definitely stay through the ebbs and flows that Lance's situation in, uh, over the past few years, but it's up to him. His performance will likely indicate who ends up being the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you hit, you said what I've been saying for a while too. Uh, if you know, I think I thought the job going into the going into the Philadelphia game, I thought going at that point, I I was of the belief that Brock Purdy was the, the quarterback that should have the the leg up in the quarterback competition going. Uh, you know, this off season, the injury changes all that. We'll see how it turns out. You know, you, you look at uh, you look at Trey Lance and and. You watch them on film. Let's just let's just put the, their film on, and and it's it's pretty clear when you watch the film that there's a rhythm with one that there isn't with the other. Now, does that mean that that Trey Lance can't be the guy moving forward? Absolutely not. It just means that so far we haven't seen it yet. Uh, there's been some ups and downs in camp and all throughout too. So, you know, it's again, he's a, a young guy who hasn't played a lot of football. Brock Purdy had played a lot of football before last season, so he kind of had a little bit of a leg up there. Trey Lance just really, quite frankly, hasn't doesn't have many snaps, and I don't think really anybody knows. I don't think anybody has any clue what Trey Lance is. The people that are really, really high on him who are saying he's going to be really, he has like the really high. I mean, okay, but I mean, other than a, other than a guy who can throw the ball long, uh, what else is there to say that to, to, to to back you up on that, you know, I've, right. I've, uh, I've heard, you know, uh, mentioned a couple of times how, how terrific he is on passes beyond 30 yards. Well, okay. And then you go back and you actually look at how many times he's thrown the, the ball beyond 30 yards. Well, he, he's thrown 102 passes in the NFL and he's thrown three that have traveled beyond 30 yards in the air. So that's less than 3% of his total attempts. So, you know, you look at, the metrics there's a that's one of that's the reason why pff has their metric at 20 plus you know for their deep passes because that's the, the zone where most deep passes go is between 20 to to the you know over 20 yards there's the average you know guys as far as deep shots it's usually right around 28 to 25 yards is the the average if you look at their average depth of target on deep throws so you know lance has to improve on that mid to short game he needs to show that he can get the ball of his hand quicker um, and accurately, and we're going to find out all about this with him. Uh, you know, I, I know that Jalen Hurts keeps getting brought up. Jalen Hurts is an interesting case for me because the people who are pushing on Jalen Hurts and how Philadelphia stuck by Jalen Hurts are also the same people who will tell you that the 49ers have screwed this up by using Trey Lance as a runner. Well, I... I you know, part of what makes what makes Jalen Hurts so good is his running ability and the threat that he has with the run. And on top of that, he gets the ball out of his hand and he's really good in the short passing game. He's really good on those throws be under 10 yards. Trey Lance isn't. He's a guy who, you know, Jalen Hurts has completed nine, this last season was around 95% on those underneath throws. That's not anywhere close to what, what what Trey Lance is so far. So we'll see. It, it's it's uh, you know it's it's a it's a good it's a good discuss point of discussion. But when you actually start to look at the players, they are very different in what they've been able to accomplish. I agree, and this is why I bring up uh, I brought up some 
talking earlier today on Ryan Hensley's show. I know we have probably a little bit of a different opinion on this. I think that uh, that there's a distinct definition between potential and floor. And I think you've got to talk about quarterbacks and really all players with two different distinctions. When you talk about potential, you, you, you're, you're talking more so about what you believe the player can be. But you also have to analyze the floor. You can't make them together because the player is right now. And I think a lot of people get curious when evaluating players when in reality their potential is certainly high, but they're not necessarily playing at that level now. It's important to understand the distinction between the two categories because there is certainly a distinction. And that's why while people certainly do see the product too small of a sample size to really that Lance will get his opportunity after two full seasons with really 15 quarters of football played. And so excited to see what happens in the offseason for sure. But still a good amount of questions with both quarterbacks. I personally, I do believe that though the solution will be there. I mean, uh, from what I've seen on tape, that's kind of where I'm basing it off of as happens from drawn out. I agree. I agree with you there. Back, I, I do really appreciate you coming today. If my, I don't know if I if it's still choppy or not, but I do appreciate you coming on. Me here, unfortunately. This is the next day. I much for tuning in, Jack. No, I always appreciate coming on and having the discussions with you. We we agree, we disagree. It's always fun, uh, you know. And uh, the the whatever whatever the reason is, you, maybe you just need to tell your roommate to get off of the uh, off of his computer so that you can get the Wi-Fi to, to work. Maybe that's what it is. The guy he's he's downloading something he probably shouldn't be. That's probably what the problem is. So, uh, no, I'm teasing you, but it's always fun to it's always fun to, to chat with you. And uh, I appreciate you for for asking me to come on with you today. Hey, the whole building, it's the whole. Yes, sir. All of yes, we're going to be back with content soon. I'm going to a hockey game today for the first time this year, uh, covering a hockey game. So that's how the, my weekend's going to end. You guys have a great weekend. Jack and I will be back very soon.